What do you think the future of esports is going to look like? I think it's going to be a like a mainstream stadium filled uh, with people watching esports. It was funny. I had a roommate in college that was all into esports, and what he would do is he would just watch streams on Twitch, but he wouldn't play the games. He would just watch people play. He wouldn't play Fortnite. He'd just watch Fortnite. And I said to him one day, I was like, dude, why why do you just watch the streams and not play the games? He was like, you watch football, but you don't play football. What's up, friends? This is Austin, and you're listening to the Gritty and Curious podcast, a podcast that showcases gritty and curious ideas people, and communities. In this episode, I have a discussion with Ryan Celine about, one, the future of sports in relation to the COVID-19 pandemic, two, the future of esports, and three, innovation in sports. Ryan is my friend. He has his master's in global sports business from the Rutgers University, Go Knights, and he is the founder of Greater Than The Game, a website and Instagram account dedicated to the inspiring and positive stories in sports. First and foremost, Ryan and I discuss the immediate changes to sports as a result of COVID-19 and the quarantine. So the immediate effect is that all of these major sports leagues have shut down their operations. They've canceled their seasons. But what we did is we took a deeper dive and thought about what are the other things that have changed in the realm of sports as a result of COVID. We identified two things. Number one, is that COVID has showed us that athletes are people just like you and I. And number two is that professional athletes are going to have to change their training to a certain degree because they're not going to have access to world-class facilities. So let's dive into that. COVID has showed us that athletes are people, that they're vulnerable. You know what I mean? Seeing LeBron at his home interacting with his family, those are views we don't get because we usually assume these athletes on, on the court, we don't really see them as like, Man, Donovan Mitchell can get sick from something that we all get sick from. I know they're not superhuman, but it's just it's just cool to see the human side of these athletes that we don't really get to see. And I think COVID has accented that. Ryan's 100% right. It's very easy to look up to these athletes and think that they're on top of the world. But when you're faced with conflict and you're in the middle of a pandemic, it changes everything. It changes the athlete's perspective, it changes our perspective of them. So there's definitely been a change in how athletes are interacting with their fans and how they are presenting themselves right now. And I think also the way people train is going to change. I was talking to my dad about this yesterday. My dad played semi-pro football for most of his uh, young adult life. And I was telling him how all these college kids aren't able to work out in the gyms with their teams uh, especially for like football and how important that is. And he was like, yeah, they're going to have to do old school like we used to do and just have workouts and not have gyms and push cars and flip tires. So I think we're going to see greater push back to the basics of kind of those CrossFit movements that we do every day um, and less training around like more like weighted equipment and, and things like that um, just because access is, is going to change. Now, when everything goes back to being somewhat normal, it might pick up a little bit, but I think there's still going to be a focus on like what athletes can do at home uh, to keep their strength up. COVID has made all of us change the way that we exercise. 
we've gotten so used to being able to go to the gym and having access to equipment and it's definitely changed the way that we get outside move our bodies and work out so looking at this from an athlete's perspective these guys are working out with the top equipment and the best trainers in the industry so there's definitely a change going to be a change to the way that they're working out and you kind of see it on their social media like everybody's changing the way that they're moving their body and getting themselves ready for the potential season if there is a season and we're going to discuss that do you think that there's going to be a football season i do i think that there's a lot of money at stake that's going to play a role in in uh in like the football season, obviously, uh, I also think it's something that the people need. I think, in my view, sports is essential, just as an escape, especially with, with everyone worrying right now. Um, and I think as we start getting more testing, we're gonna realize that more people had COVID than we thought. So I think the death rate's gonna gonna d- decrease a little bit, which is good. But I'm not a doctor, so to be brutally honest, I'm not sure what's gonna happen. I don't know if there's gonna be an NFL season. But what I do know is that if there is a season, then there is going to be a lot of changes from a coach's perspective, a player's perspective, and a fan's perspective. So that's what we talk about next. We So let's say we're having a season. What is that going to look like from a coach's perspective, like a player's perspective, and a fan's perspective? Because... You know, these are all different stakeholders within the realm of sports, and everybody wants a sense of normalcy. How are we going to create a sense of normalcy for all of these stakeholders? I think from the player's perspective, um, it's going, going to be relatively the same. There might be more checks and balances with, like, health-wise, like maybe taking your temperature before every game or certain amount of certain amount of people on buses, like things like that. But I don't think it'll change drastically. We both agreed that there needs to be some sort of procedure to keep the athletes safe, whether that be temperature, taking their temperature before the game or only allowing a certain amount of people to be on the buses at the same time. But something that we also discussed was, are there going to be fans in the stadium if there is a season? So do you think that they will even have fans in the stadium? Like, what what is that procedure and like what is that system process going to look like let's say if they they allow fans is it going to be you know you come in and you have to be three seats away from somebody or like are they going to serve food like what what do you think i would imagine that they keep the social distancing rules as long as possible i don't think for like sports like baseball i don't think they're going to have fans but it's too close to the like the apex hitting hitting us like, I think that they're going to go a whole season with no fans. Uh, I think this whole thing hitting um, in 2020, I think it's interesting because, um, like, everyone's going to forget about the Astros and that whole big scandal with the Astros. I think I think uh, they might have caught a lucky break with COVID because everyone's concerned about that and not about uh, the Astros cheating, but that's a different different story. Um, I think that the the players will have to adjust. There's not going to be a home field advantage per se, uh, with no fans. I do think it'd be interesting if they had like maybe a track of like cheering fans and stuff, but nobody in the stands. I don't think that'd be funny, but I don't think they'd <laughs> ever do that. Um, like Aaron Judge hits a home run and you just hear over the loudspeaker a bunch of fans yelling. I think that'd be awesome. Like uh, 
like a nineties sitcom. I truly couldn't imagine watching a football game or a baseball game and hearing a recording of fans in the background after a touchdown or a hit or something. I just think that that would be weird. But what I also think would be weird if esports blew up and were as big as sports that we like more traditional sports. So we also talked about that. Um, I think esports are going to be even bigger. Um, we learned in grad school that uh, esports is a growing industry. I think that's going to take over, honestly, and be another main a mainstream mainstream sports instead instead of um instead of getting scholarships to play football at Rutgers, you might get a scholarship to do esports. I have a friend that um is on a couple esports teams and they uh, at Rutgers and they travel all around the country. Um, and make a whole, a whole bunch of money. Like I think they made like six grand each winning tournaments playing esports. So I think that'll be more, more accented and focused on throughout this whole pandemic and moving forward. Um, more the vir- virtual sports. If you've done your homework, you know that the esports industry is absolutely exploding with Fortnite, Warzone, World of Warcraft, all these online games. Anybody that's binging stuff on Twitch knows exactly what I'm talking about. The industry is absolutely huge. There's so much opportunity there. So the next thing we talk about is the future of the esports industry. What do you think the future of esports is going to look like? I think it's going to be a like a mainstream stadium filled uh, with people watching esports. It was funny. I had a roommate in college that was all into esports. And what he would do is he would just watch streams on Twitch, but he wouldn't play the games. He would just watch people play. He wouldn't play Fortnite. He'd just watch Fortnite. And I said to him one day, I was like, dude, why, why do you just watch the streams and not play the games? He was like, you watch football, but you don't play football. And I was like, wow, it's literally Whoa. the same. The same. <laughs> um so it, it's very it's a very interesting concept that it can be a sport. We always used to have this debate in in uh, grad school of what consisted of a sport. I think there's going to be more esports offered. I mean, the M- uh, the NBA and uh, MLS they have special esport teams where they actually draft players and have like leagues, and that's also pretty interesting. I think it's going to be a growing marketplace for jobs. Um, as well in a few years if not now already uh, but I think with streaming and being able to streaming through Netflix and things like that I think it's going to even grow even more um, and be more ma- like more more mainstream than maybe like other sports like bowling and things like that like people don't really watch hardcore I think it's going to start to grow even more you're not a hardcore bowling watcher no not no <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to anyone that is a hardcore bowling watcher. Esports is going to take over. And I 100% agree. I think that the esport industry is absolutely exploding. And something that I never heard of that I learned from this interview and I learned from Ryan was that the NBA and MLS are organizing their own esports leagues. So. This is us taking a deep dive into a little bit more about that. So uh, the NBA and the MLS have their own leagues, like 2K leagues, which is pretty special. It started like four years ago, I think, or three years ago. They started 
actually hiring professionals. And these guys get paid for the NBA. Uh, I actually did a project on it. Most of these guys get paid more to pay, play NBA uh, 2K. They get paid more than the G League players to play. It get, it's crazy. Uh, so is this, we, is this facilitated by MLS and NBA? Yeah, by the, yep. It's a whole different league. So it's not like EA run. It's no, it's uh, the league run, which is pretty pretty cool. And I think it it shows. I think that um, NBA is always the leader in innovation. And I think more leagues will have these kind of two K leagues as we move move forward towards the future. It's super interesting. We had a guest speaker come who is the uh, she's the head of communications and content for the Red Bulls. And she was saying that she went out and she hired a guy who was the number one FIFA player in, I think, in the country at the time. And he gets paid just as much as the regular uh, players. And he draws a whole draws in a whole different market than actual players do. So they are getting fans of the Red Bulls through this guy who plays FIFA. So it's a whole other way to reach that demographic of young kids if you think about baseball the baseball demographic is is skewed older if they had a if they had a um esport league i think that would also bring in people uh help them get a younger demographic type thing so you have the mls and the nba organizing their own esports leagues to drive more traffic and more eyes to their sporting events and it's really interesting because it's totally opening up the market to younger people and it's targeting people who are playing these games and it's getting people more engaged in the leagues. So you see the NBA and Ryan discusses how the NBA is almost like the leader of innovation with regard to sports leagues. And I never really thought of it that way, but think of it this way. You look at the MLB and they definitely have a, an older crowd. If you look at the NBA, it's a lot more younger people. And it's interesting to look at their marketing techniques and how they're selling themselves to younger kids through the use of esports. So the next thing we discuss is how the NBA is a leader in innovation. So you said that the NBA is a leader in innovation. Why do you think that they're the leader? And what do other leagues have to do to step up to compete with their innovative culture i think they're just very they're very forward-minded look at it this way in the 1980s uh the commissioner of the nba i think it was david stern i'm not too sure i can't remember who it was but whoever the commissioner was in the 80s and 90s i uh, sent tapes and tapes and tapes over to china to um to broadcast games so over time, they grew a really, really, really big fan base in China just from old games of like Jordan and and people that we used to see in the United States all the time but had no exposure anywhere else. So th- through those tapes, they started getting a, a huge market overseas. And I think the rest of the sports world has been lax in growing games globally. So I think that's an, a demonstration of how they are... Uh, how they are a leader. If you look at the COVID response, that uh, NBA was the first league to really say, hey, we're not going to do games anymore. We're going to postpone our season. And every other league followed. 
So I think that's a, a good example of how they become a leader. They're very socially aware, and they're big into social uh, social programs and social issues. I think they support their players uh, more than any other league, uh, just through um, different different like social issues and things like that. So without a doubt, like Ryan said, the NBA is extremely forward-minded. They were the first sports league to suspend their season as a result of COVID-19. They were a leader in doing that. They also have a global footprint, and they're, they're targeting a younger crowd. And Ryan's going to talk a little bit more about the other elements of innovation that NBA is focusing on. So here's that. And they're very good at not just making basketball about basketball, but making basketball intersect popular culture, having having uh, music and and other comedians and and all that stuff involved in like leagues. If you look at the the All Star Game, having like the celebrity three on three tournament, like things like that that'll draw in viewers, not just solely because of basketball, is really important too. So the NBA is a leader in innovation. There's no doubt. But what can other leagues do to target a younger crowd? How can they start their own esports leagues? You know, how can they remain innovative, especially during a time of uncertainty like COVID? So that's the next thing that we talk about. I think what other leagues can do, I think just listening to their players more. I think that would uh, help a lot of issues in the NFL if uh, the league overall just listened to to the to the players and things like that. I saw recently that the NBA is thinking about legalizing the use of marijuana for like after games for recovery and things. I think if the NFL uh, listened to their players, there'd be a lot less issues with illegal substances and, and things like that. So I think just listening is something that the NBA does really, really well. And I think all of the leagues can look at that and learn from that. It's like anything, whether it be sports, business, or, or literally anything. You know, you just have to listen to what people want and what they need and deliver. And that depends on what your situation is. And we're in the middle of a pandemic right now. But what I learned today is that the NBA is a leader in innovation and other sports leagues can definitely learn a thing or two from them about how to grow and adapt, especially during a time of uncertainty like COVID-19. Today we covered three topics. Number one, we talked about the future of sports. Number two, we talked about esports. And number three, we talked about innovation in sports. If you're interested in learning more about these topics, you can reach out to Ryan through his Instagram at Ryan Celine. I will include his information in the show notes. And we didn't get to talk about his Instagram account and website called Greater Than The Game, but definitely be sure to check it out. The website is greaterthanthegame.net, and his Instagram handle is greaterthanthegame. This has been the Gritty and Curious podcast, a podcast that showcases gritty and curious ideas, people, and communities. If you enjoyed this episode, you'd be the best if you subscribed, left a rating, and wrote a quick review. By doing these things, you let me know that you're listening and it inspires me to keep putting out content. You can get every episode of Gritty and Curious wherever you listen to your podcast and on my website, samaustin.blog. Until next time, thank you so much for listening.